you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find with me 2 Samuel chapter 6. And as you're finding those, I want to read some, some thank you cards. A 10-mile family, thank you for all the wonderful food that was brought during the passing of our grandmother and mother. Thank you for all the prayers and condolences. Our family appreciates our 10-mile family very much. We are blessed to be a part of such a wonderful, caring church family. That's from Alicia, Stephanie, and Tanya, and the entire family at the passing of their grandmother and mother. Uh, uh, my arms aren't long enough. Uh, thank you so much for your donations to our uh, 2022 post-prom. We are so grateful for people like you in our community. All the students at post-prom had a great time because of your generous donation. And that's from the junior class officers. And uh, I don't know about you, but that's a wonderful thing that almost all those kids stay at school. Uh, most of us are old enough to remember that post-prom wasn't something that was honoring and pleasing to the Lord. Uh, and then the third card is Dear Ten Mile. Uh, words can never express how grateful for we are for all your help this past week with the removal after the storm. You are all amazing. Thank you for your donation of time and equipment. May the Lord bless each one of you. And that's from Van and Dolores Van Norman. And so I want to thank the crew that went and cleaned up trees and uh, limbs last Monday. Uh, today I want to talk to you about who is in charge of your life, part two. Uh, last week we began to look at how David had finally come to a place where all of the struggles and the burdens of his life had really seemed to kind of fall away. Uh, the rebellion that he was uh, being forced to run into the wilderness, the, the rebellion of the, of the nation of Israel, the other tribes, it had all been finished. And he was now king, and he had decided that it was time to celebrate and to worship God, and so they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, and they don't move it God's way, and someone is struck dead, and, and so David decides that we're not going to take the Ark with us. We're going to leave it in someone else's home. And the more I've thought about this this week, I've thought, can you imagine being um, Obed-Edom, and King David just shows up with this box? It says he was a Gittite. He wasn't even an Israelite. He would have been a Philistine. And he shows up with this box and says, I'm going to leave this here at your house. And by the way, if you touch it, boom, you're dead. Literally, and this guy's got a whole household full of people. I mean, I can just imagine. I mean, I'm like our kids, don't touch the stove, don't touch the grill, don't touch this, don't do that. And here is a box that literally, if you touch it, you will die. So that's where we find ourselves. But yet then David begins to hear that everything that's going on at Edom's house is being blessed. His crops, his family, his, his servants, everything is being blessed. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning. And I want to ask you this question because this might have been one of the hardest sermons I've ever prepared. Not because of the topics that are in it or the, the relationships, but just the simple fact that how easy it is to grow bitter. How easy it is to grow bitter. Sometimes we grow bitter with the person we live with. Sometimes we grow bitter with the people that we work with. Sometimes we grow bitter with the people we go to church with. Sometimes we just grow bitter at everybody. And you say, Jake, what in the world are you focusing on the bitter for? Because, friends, there's only two ways to live your life. 
One is to make a choice to be bitter and to let the problems and trials and heartbreaks of this life define who you are. Or two, to celebrate what God is doing in your life no matter what else goes on. You know people like that. You know people that are sour and that are grouchy and that are miserable no matter what happens. Literally, the glass is half empty. I'm that person. I'm a cynic. I, I, I'm, I can be grouchy. I, I can be, I don't understand people, and so I can be very frustrated. But there's only one of two options. You can either let that consume you and consume your life, or you can come to a point where you understand God has been good to me, and God has been good to us. And no matter what other people do or what other people say or how other people behave, I am going to praise and honor God. And so that's where we find ourselves in today in this text. And so if you would stay with me, I want to read verses 12 through 15, and then we will begin to look at our text this morning. Starting in verse 12, the Bible says, Now it was told King David, saying that the Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that belongs to him, because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when they, those bearing the ark of God had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. I want to show you here that the last time David moved it, it was judgment. This time it was blessing. The presence of God is always involved. The question is, how do we respond? In a time of blessing and obedience, or judgment and disobedience? And so pray with me this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you are worthy to be praised and celebrated. And Father, I ask your forgiveness for any of the junk and the mess and the sin that, God, we bring into worshiping you. Father, today I pray that you'd forgive me. God, that you would reveal my sin to me and to convict me. And God, to point out those areas of my life that are nowhere where they should be. Father, I pray today that you would not allow my sin and my selfishness, Lord, my flesh, to grieve your spirit and what you're wanting to do in this place. And so, Father, I pray that we would make much of Jesus and all that is said and done this morning. And I ask it in his name. Amen. And so this morning I want to show you here the three things very quickly, Lord willing. And the first is this. Are you someone who is celebrating God's blessing in your life? Are you someone who is celebrating God's blessing in your life? Now the answer all of us would say is, well, of course, I'm thankful for God's blessings. I'm thankful for God's goodness. I'm thankful for what he has done for me. But the question is, are you honestly living that way? You see, this today is a day where we as Americans remember and honor those who died for us and to keep this country free. Uh, they have died in all places of the world. They have died in Afghanistan. They've died in Iraq. They've died in Europe. They've uh, died in the Pacific. They have uh, they died on the soil here. They have, they have given their lives and paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, for us. 
for us to have a country that is free, even though there's a group of people that is trying to destroy it and ruin it, uh, that God has been good to us. And so today when we think about that, the question is, do you live in a way that honors the sacrifice that they made? Do you live in such a way that remembers and honors them? Everybody can, can put a flag up and everybody can talk about Memorial Day, but are you living the principles that these men and women died to protect? And the question I ask for you is not, are you thankful? Not, can you sit down at your dinner table when all your church family and friends are there and say, oh Lord, thank you for your abundant blessings. Or do you live in a way of thanksgiving? Do you treat the people that God has given you in a way that says, I love you and am thankful for you? Do you treat your children and train them up in a way that says, God, I am thankful for them and they are a blessing and I want to love them and to show them that I love them? The same way about your church and your job, all these areas of your life. Are you someone who is saying that you are thankful or are you someone who is living out that thankfulness? Because as we read verses 12 through 15, David begins to move the ark. And as you can tell, they're now doing it God's way. They're carrying the ark on the poles. But David says after the first few steps, wait, we need to stop. <laughs> we need to praise God. We need to offer these sacrifices because God is merciful and God is good and God is gracious and God is worthy to be praised. Now you would say, I don't know if I'm at that point yet because the ark's not in the city of Israel, the city of Jerusalem yet. We're just starting this journey. You see, but David recognized something. David recognized that if I will do it God's way and I will give God the honor and the praise, it is all going to work out just fine. That God's going to take care of it. I don't have to wait to see how it ends. I'm going to trust God on the journey. And isn't that hard for us? In the middle of the mess. In the middle of the blessings. In the middle of as we are living our life. We know, right, that God works all things to the good for those that are, love Him and are called according to His purposes. We've all quoted it. We've all read it on a, on a plaque somewhere. And we tell ourselves that. But in the middle of it. Am I, maybe I'm just the only one in the world that says, I just don't know. Or I just don't understand. Or I just can't believe. That's why the Bible says, Lord, help my unbelief. Now, I know you're all super Christians and you don't struggle with unbelief and you don't struggle with doubt and you don't struggle with questions, but I do. I don't question so much what God is doing, but I, a lot, I like to question why God allows other people to do what they do. That's where I find myself when I get the most bitter. God, how could that person do that? God, why would you allow that to happen? And you say, Jake, I, I'm just not there. Then I'm thankful for that. And you should celebrate that. But I can find myself sitting there thinking, well, they say they love the church, but boy, you don't act like it. Or I can sit across from people and they say, well, I sure love my spouse. And I think, well, you sure don't act like it. Or, well, I'm thankful I have my children. Well, you sure don't act like it. Well, I love my country. You sure don't act like it. And I can begin to get bitter and, and I can begin to get unhappy with why does God allow these things? But you see, what David showed us is that he trusted that God was in control. That he trusted that God had a purpose and a plan. 
That he trusted that God knew what he was doing, even when it didn't make sense. And so as we see David begin to sacrifice, David begins to dance, David begins to, to celebrate who God is. Now this linen ephod is, is something that we've seen in the Bible when Samuel ministered, and it really was just a simple white uh, garment. It was something that was uh, very common in the sense of the attire. But what it recognizes here and shows you is that David was coming before the Lord not as the king, not as someone as influence, but as a servant. David was coming to God as not who he was, but that God is who he is. He was trying to teach us this principle that God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how much you've accomplished. God is a God who loves sinners and cares about people. And if you will come to him by faith, and you will come to him humbly, and you will come saying, Lord, here I am, a sinner in need of you, God will welcome your praise. God will welcome your worship. And so I want to skip verse 16 because that's our second point. But I want to go on and look at this time of celebration in verse 17. We're coming back to verse 16. I'm still brave enough to touch it. Don't worry, okay? So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the men and women, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his own house. It's the first example of someone trying to feed people healthy food and everyone going home, right? A cake of raisins. I don't want, no, I'm kidding. That is a joke. That is just a joke. And so David blesses them out of an abundance that God has blessed him. You see, David worships God for who he is, but David recognized something. David recognizes that he is blessed not for him to accumulate, but for him to bless others. God does not bless you to store up blessings for yourself. God does not bless this church for us to become a bank that stores and stores and stores. God blesses us so that we can be people who bless others. And I believe the reason the church struggles the most is because we have become a hoarder of God's blessings. As individuals, as churches, as families, because we just don't know if God's going to bless tomorrow or he'll bless in the future. Well, we better save today because what happens when all the givers die off? I've heard churches say that. Well, we better not spend money here because we've got to save it for there. Look up here. God can bless your need today. God can bless your need tomorrow. God can bless your need in a decade. God's blessings do not depend on who is on the White House. And God's blessing does not depend on who runs Congress. God's blessing does not depend on inflation. God can bless you and bless me regardless of what is going on. And I have to get to a place where, God, I can trust you. And I'm not just talking about monetary. How about relationships? You ever been terrified to lose someone because you just don't think that you can live without them? Friends, there's only one person you can't live without. His name is Jesus. Now, it's hard. 
And it might not feel the same. And it might not look the same. And it not might be the same. But I'm telling you, that fear of what God isn't going to do will consume who you are. And so David says, I'm going to worship God for His goodness. I'm going to use those blessings for others. And we see here that David danced and David rejoiced. And, and there's a lot of, of hang up over the dancing itself. And I hope to, to show you exactly what we're looking at here. But unless you come from the first church of the funeral home, life should not bother you. And I'm afraid most of us were raised at the first church of the funeral home. And we bring that dead cold attitude when we come. David was just worshiping God. He couldn't help it. He couldn't help but shout. He couldn't help but sing. He couldn't help but dance. He couldn't help but rejoice in what God was doing. And let's just be totally honest here this morning. This church could use a little bit more of it. Part of that's my fault because I sit over there thinking, well, I ought to be a little more happy, but goodness gracious, look at them. I don't mean that to be negative. Or I begin to think about my own life and I begin to think about my own problems. I begin to think, well, I hope this sermon doesn't just fall flat. Right, or I didn't prepare enough, or I didn't pray enough, or man, I, I just, man, and I get to worried about what's going to happen, and, and have I greeted everybody, or were, were we friendly enough? And all these things begin to go through my mind as I sit over there. And God has to remind me, Jake, you need to put your focus on me. I am the object of your worship. Jamie's not the object of your worship. The musicians aren't the object of your worship. The pastor's not the object of your worship. God is the object and person who we worship. And this morning, you have to get to a point where, God, I'm going to turn my eyes to you. God, I'm going to look to you in my good times and the bad. I'm going to look to you and let you work in my life. Second thing I want to show you this morning is, are you someone who is celebrating God's blessings in your life? Or are you someone who is upset about God's blessings in another person's life? And don't miss that. Are you someone who is upset about God's blessings in another person's life? No one gets upset when blessings are coming to them. I don't care if you're the biggest pagan in the world. It's literally why every politician, every famous person will get on television and at the end of it says, and God bless America. Everyone wants the blessings of God. Everyone wants health. Everyone wants wealth. Everyone wants peace. Every, I mean, if you're in control of that peace. But what we see here is that sometimes we can be bothered by God blessing others. It's called envy. It's called jealousy. It's called self-righteousness. And so in verse 16, I want to show you in verse 20, someone who has a problem with God blessing someone else. In verse 16 it says, Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Now, I don't recommend you writing in your Bible, but, or you can, or, or on your piece of paper. I want you to underline, and she despised him in her heart. It's going to be very important this morning. And so that happens, and in verse 20, David, you know, has already gave the people their raisin bread. He comes home, right? And in verse 20, it says, then David returned to bless his household. Don't miss that. I would underline those words. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, this is David's wife, came out to meet David. 
and said, and this is totally sarcastic, okay? This is not, this is not in a joyful term, okay? This is condescending. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servant as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, I'm not going to talk about this in the sense of it's a wife and it's a husband. I want you just to think about this as a married couple. One spouse has never been blessed more. Promotion at work. The joy of something else. And you come into the driveway and you open the front door and here it is, right? Look what God has done! Look how good God has been. Oh, well, how glorious were you out there running around like a half-naked person? We've all been there. We've all been the one that has sucked the life out of someone else's joy. And we have all been there and had the joy sucked out of our life. Now, I know the self-righteousness in all of us says, not me. I'm not, I'm not going to suck the joy out of someone else's life. Don't lie. It's a sin. All of us can be this way. But this morning I want to show you why David's wife had become this way. Because this morning I want you to know, I really do believe that these chairs and the churches across America are full of bitterness. We're bitter at so many things. We're bitter that the world doesn't look like it used to be. We're, we're bitter that America doesn't look like it used to be. We're bitter that our marriage hasn't turned out the way we thought it should. We're bitter that our children have not turned out the way that we thought they would. We're bitter because someone has done something to us. We're bitter because of whatever God has allowed to happen to us. Because I want to remind you that there was a time in this book that we are reading from the Word of God that the Bible says she loved him. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 20. Now Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And it wasn't just an emotional love. She was willing to defy her father, put her life on the line, to be willing to die because of her love for David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 11, the Bible says this, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. David, Saul sent people to kill David at David and Michael's house. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fell and escaped. So here is a woman who loved this man, who was willing to put her life on the line for this mind. But yet in 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says she despised him. And that word for despise means vile. It means hatred. It means I can't even look at you. It's so awful. I just can't take it. And so how in the world did it go from loving, sacrificing to that? And I know that this is not for anybody in this room this morning, okay? It's for all the people that have skipped church and are watching online, okay? Don't you worry. Don't do it. But I believe there are homes full of this same attitude. 
oh, our marriage was so good when we started. But all the struggles and the toils and the trials, oh, it's just, can't even stand it. There, there are people that, are, that will be in churches this morning that hate going to their church. They despise it because it's where they've always gone. It's what they've always done. And they're going to go and sit there and be miserable. There will be people who get up tomorrow and go to work with a hatred for the people they work with. A hatred for what is going to go on there. And I ask you that question, what happened? Bitterness. Do you remember what had happened to Michael? One, David had fled for his life and her dad gave her to another man. She married this other man. And apparently it was a marriage that was somewhat pleasing because as he, she was going back to David, he followed along weeping. And so I am assuming that she loved this man and he loved her. <coughs> and so now she's back with David. And you say, well, that's not her fault or David's fault. But what did David do? David had taken multiple wives, had multiple concubines. You say God was okay with that. God allows things, but doesn't mean God is okay with it. Deuteronomy said a king should have one wife. One wife and one wife only. And so whatever got her to this point, whatever had changed her heart toward David, it doesn't say she hated God. It said she despised him. I've heard a lot of sermons on this. And I listened to a lot of sermons on this. And there was lots of sermons about bitter wives and bitter husbands and, and lots of things that I'm not even going to try to touch today. But what I can tell you this is, no matter where you're at today, this is where you can end up. Today, if you are not willing to say, God, I don't understand what's going on in my life, but I am willing to forgive. You see, it's not okay that she hated him. It's not okay that she mocked his worship of God. But friends, when I look at what she had been there, been through, I can step back and say, I can see it. I can see why she would be unhappy that her husband was finding every woman that would marry him and every woman that would sleep with him. And I can see that. I can see the bitterness of, of, of him never coming to rescue her all these years. Maybe he couldn't, maybe he couldn't. I don't know. But for whatever had happened, she had let what had gone on in her life define who she was. And friends, this morning you cannot control what other people do. You cannot control what other people say. You can't control how other people vote. But today you can control how you respond to it. And today you can either grow bitter to your spouse. You can grow bitter to your children. You can grow bitter to people that you think should do differently. But friends, it will not stop. It will end up consuming you. And what she was upset with was the fact that God was blessing David. And that God was honoring David. And that God was opening up the windows of heaven and blessing this group of people. Because if you don't remember, her daddy was king. Her dad had to die for David to be king. Her brothers had to die for David to be king. Her family had to be pretty much wiped off the map so that David could be where he was. And so some of this was loss, bitterness, grief, all of it tied up here together. 
But I want to read a verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Or your Bible might say bitterness. Friends, when you and I allow what has happened in our life, the wrongs that have happened to us, the failures of other people, it will cause us to be bitter. It will cause us to be consumed. But you see, that's the great thing about Jesus' example. Jesus was betrayed by all of us. Jesus was betrayed by His disciples. Jesus was betrayed by the people that were God's people, the Jewish people. Jesus was rejected and mocked and spit upon and tortured and beaten and put on a cross, but yet He did not grow bitter. He willingly went to the cross regardless of what had been done to Him. Regardless of the people that would refuse Him. He died knowing every sin that you would commit. And willfully says that He will forgive us if we will confess and ask. And then tells us to love others as He loved us. You see, it's an overwhelming thought. It's an overwhelming thing. Because in those moments when I want to say, yeah, but God, don't you know what they've done? God has to say, don't you know what you've done? When God has to say, when I say to God, but God, do you know how much this has happened and, and how much they've done this and, and how I've done... God says that. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to celebrate God's blessings in your life. But this morning, if you're here, and bitterness and unforgiveness and discouragement and disappointment has snuck into your life, do not let it go one more day. Because the people that you loved, you will begin to despise. The people that you care about, you'll begin to be angry when they are blessed and taken care of. And third and final thing this morning I want to show is this. We need to remember that God gives and God takes away. And so what does David say to this? Right? She literally is talking about the fact that he's dancing. Now David was not doing anything inappropriate. He was just celebrating who God was. But yet her pride and her unforgiveness and bitterness had directed everything that was said. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble, don't miss that, in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now there are two things I want to show you here this morning because it's easy sometimes uh, to really to put, to put blame and to, and to use this to our advantage. David responds by saying, God is the one who's blessed me. Don't miss that this morning. God didn't say, hey, I lived in the wilderness. I fought those battles. I, I defeated my enemies. 
I, I have a God. He says, no, God chose me. He says, God took care of everything I needed. God was there with me in the wilderness. God was there with me in the foreign land. God was there with me when I fought Goliath. God was there with me when I was betrayed. God was there with me through all of it. You see, a lot of David's wife's problem was he didn't act the way her dad did. Her dad was the king who was a head taller than everyone else, who looked like a king, who talked like a king, who acted like a king from a worldly standpoint. She's thinking, I'm from a royal family. I'm from a royal bloodline. And you were a shepherd. This is not what a king does. You see, her pride and her prestige of who she was and what she had been through to find who she was. Everybody knew that she'd been given to another man. Everyone knew that David had multiple wives. Everyone knew that David had multiple concubines. And because she felt slighted, she went back to what? Do you not know who I am? Proud as a peacock. But David says, I'm going to be humble. I'm not worried about who I was or where I've been. I'm going to praise God for who he is. I'm going to play music. I, I'm going to be undignified. Now, that doesn't mean that David was stupid or that he was inappropriate. It just means that he was going to worship God no matter what people thought. And he was going to be humble no matter what people thought. Because the Bible teaches us that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to be least. If you want to be first in the kingdom of God, you have to be last. But the world says, no, 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 you've got to build big churches and have big attendance. You've got to have, uh, you have big homes and big cars. You've got to accumulate all of these things. And David says, I ain't buying it. <laughs> I'm going to be humble. I'm going to give God the praise and the glory and recognition that he deserves for the blessings in my life. Now, this last verse has been one that has been so confused, and there is no answer here. Some people say that God took away her ability to have children. I personally believe that David said, I'm never going to sleep with you again. I'm not going to have this relationship. That part of our marriage is broken and over. Now, I want you to listen to this morning, and I'll be as delicate as I can. Husbands and wives, there is an aspect of your marriage that God intended for it to happen only in the confines of marriage. And I hope you know what I'm talking about. You're looking at me like a deer in a headlight, all right? It's what the world celebrates. It's what the world promotes. It's what the world embraces. All right. I knew this was going to go really well this morning. When that stops at a young age, there are problems in your marriage. You become roommates. You become people who live in the same home. You become people who are accomplishing the same goals, but you have removed one of those aspects where God has taken two people and made them one. And so this morning, I want to tell you this, that David, because of this relationship, because of this brokenness, because of this bitterness, never had a relationship with her as a husband and a wife should. And friends, this morning, I want to say this as simple as I can. God gave to David 
God blessed David, but God also took away from Michael, however that was. And this morning, I want you to listen to what Job said in Job chapter 1, verse 21. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, Job recognized something. You cannot be hung up on the things of this world. You have to trust that God is the source, that God is the supplier, that God is the answer. And when things fall apart as they will, when diagnoses from your doctor come through that do not come the way that you want them to, when people abandon you, when people betray you, when people fail you, when people hurt you, when things are broken the way that you didn't think they would be broken, you have a choice. You can say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. God, I don't understand it, I'm going to rely on you. Or you can say, God, I just can't believe it. And you can let unforgiveness and bitterness drive a wedge in your relationship with God in your relationship with others. And friends, one day, I don't know how long it takes. I have no idea. In this case, it was probably between six to ten years that all this had happened. But in that six to ten year period, she had went from loving this man, being willing to put her life on the line for this man, to despising and hating everything about him. Friends, this morning I can tell you, as a personal experience that you can get there a lot faster than 10 years you can get there a whole lot faster than 10 years God wants us to celebrate him this morning as a church we are not perfect <laughs> this church is made up of unperfect people your Sunday school class is made up of imperfect people your home is made up of imperfect people you are an imperfect person. But friends, this morning, God has been good to you. If you know Him. If you love Him. If for no other reason that you were born in this country, God has been good to you. And I've been thinking about a terminology that I wanted to use for this. And I think I've come up with, you're either celebrating or you're soaking. Celebrating or soaking. Now, I look at the definition for soaking, right? It's this idea that you're in water, that you're taking on too much, that you're soaking up too much, that you're becoming overly filled. That's how it is in life. It starts with one disappointment here, one sin here, one failure there, one betrayal here, and then you wake up one day and there is no joy left. There's no peace there's nothing to celebrate in our minds what God has done. And friends, today God says He wants no part of that for His people. Today God wants us to come to Him and say, whatever it is, God can handle your brokenness and mine. God can handle your unforgiveness and mine. God can handle your bitterness and mine. God can handle your sin and mine. And what David says is, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to stay humble. I'm going to honor him because of who he is and what he's done. And friends, this morning, that's what this church needs to do. 
to celebrate what God has done. To be humble, to recognize that it's not us that's done it, it's God. God's been good to us. God's been good to you. Because friends, God can give you the blessings. And God can take them away. And so this morning, I'm going to ask that you bow your head. Where you're sitting this morning, I know this is not something that you and I want to answer, and I do not want you to answer it out loud. I do not want you to raise a hand. I just want you to sit there with you and the Spirit of God. I want you to ask this question to yourself. Where is my joy? Where is my joy? Is there any joy at all? Or are you so discouraged and bitter about the things that have happened that it's gone? Probably right now, if you are struggling with bitterness, you're thinking of a person or a situation that's causing that. It could be the person you live with. It can be the person you work with. It can be the person you go to church with. It might even be the person that is speaking to you this morning from right here. Friends, you have one of two choices this morning. It is not going to get better on its own. You're not going to be able to wait it out. You're not going to be willing to tough it out. There is only one way this morning that God can restore the joy of your salvation to you, and that is coming to Him. And saying, God, I've carried this load and I can't carry it anymore. God, I've carried this unforgiveness and I can't carry it anymore. God, I've carried this bitterness and I cannot carry it anymore. And friends, this morning I want you to know that God will take it. God can carry it. God can handle it. But friends, you're going to have to lay it down if you want him to take it. This morning, you might be saying, Jake, I don't understand this at all. Well, this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, friends, you've got the burden of sin, the burden of separation from God. But yet he did something for you by dying on the cross for your sins, being buried and rising again, that, friends, you can find forgiveness. That guilt, that shame that you're carrying on your own, you can lay it down no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how terrible you think the world thinks of you. God can forgive you, give you a new name, make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. But you've got to bring it to Him. And so this morning, whether it's as a family, whether it's as a church, whether it's you as an individual, today the choice is yours. Will you praise Him? Will you celebrate Him? Or will you look around and say, I just don't understand. And let the bitterness of this world and sin control you. God wants you to choose the first. To praise Him. That's why the Bible is full of verses of praising Him, honoring Him, celebrating Him, clapping Him. Psalm 150, it's all about praising the Lord. And so this morning, will you make that choice? Or will you let the situations and discouragements of your life dictate who you are?